Hi, this is Steve Thomas, pastor of the First Baptist Church at Delray Beach. Welcome to our podcast. We study God's Word to apply it to our lives in order to make a difference in this life and in eternity. We hope you enjoy this message. We cry out, we cry out. Amen, amen. Thank you so much for being here. Great to see you all. Uh, you look great, and uh, I, I think especially Lee Keller looks great today. His wife was actually wiping his brow, I think, earlier. Way to go, Janelle. Thank you for that. Uh, great to see you. It looks, it's so great to gather and to be with the people of God. Online is great if that's all you got, but it's so good to see your faces, um, to worship together, to be in the same room with people who are following after Christ, who are filled with the Spirit. Um, it's amazing to be a part of the church. And uh, for Julie and I, it's, it's a great pleasure to serve here and to get to walk this journey with you and to know your stories and to be able to pray with you and to, to walk together as followers of Jesus. Uh, today, we're continuing our story of Nehemiah, and we're dealing with a topic called the War of Words. The War of Words, and I don't know if you remember, when I was a kid, there was uh, this saying that we would say to each other when we were being teased or made fun of or um, something like that. It would go like this, right? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And that pretty much shut down the other person, you know, oh, well, I won't say anything then because I wouldn't want to, I want to hurt you, so it's not really true though, is it? Words do hurt, don't they? I mean, they really do. I mean, people, relationships are ruined. Um, People are discouraged. People are shut down because of words. Words absolutely do matter, don't they? Court cases are decided on words. Laws are passed because of words. In our cancel culture today, many people lose their, their livelihoods, their career, their respect, and they're cast aside because of a statement that they made. Words absolutely do matter. And as followers of Jesus, we need to have the right words to say. We need to be able to give an answer. 1 Peter 3, always be ready to give an answer for the hope that is within you. Always have this sense of, I know why I do what I do. I know why I'm a part of a church. I know why when I drive out of my neighborhood on Sunday morning and I'm not have my golf clubs or my tennis gear with me and my neighbors look at me like, what are you doing? It's Sunday. It's time to drink coffee and eat brunch, right? I know why I'm doing I know why this matters. See, words absolutely matter. And we need to be ready to give an answer. Because there is opposition. Call it whatever you want. Call it the enemy. Uh, call it um, the, uh, the culture. Uh, call it the New Age movement. But there is opposition to what God wants to do in you and in this church. And we need to be ready to give a good answer. In Nehemiah chapter 6, we see Nehemiah come to the place where he's about to finish the wall. He's been building this wall. I remember what the wall was for. It was, it was designed to bring glory to God through his city of Jerusalem to provide security for the people. It was the wall in those days was where you kind of interacted with the rest of the world. You had gates through which you would come and go. If there was no wall, you really couldn't have a boundary between you and the world. And for the city of God, there was no way to bring glory to God if there was no wall. 
So they're about to finish this wall, and the enemies of God, the Sanballat and his buddies, they're constantly trying to stop. Remember, they were going to send an attack, and they had to kind of have their, their people work with one hand uh, with a trowel, and with the other hand they'd have a sword, and they were constantly on the defensive as they were doing the work of the Lord. But they got to the end, and they needed to stop this. It's about to be completed, and the enemy said, we got to stop this. And so instead of focusing on the big, big picture, let's just focus on Nehemiah. If we can shut down the leader, we can shut down this project. You ever felt like the focus got put on you? And that the enemy was trying to stop you? See, all of you are very likely leading somebody. The opposition would very much like to shut you down. So today we're going to look at how to answer, how to answer the opposition. How to answer the opposition. Nehemiah chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. Love for you to open your Bible, open your device, and look actually at the Word of God as we're studying it. It's a great practice to have. It will be on the screen, but I'd love for you to have that open. It's just a, a testimony to your trust in God. Nehemiah chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. Now when, San, when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arab and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall and there was no breach left in it, although up to that time I had not set the doors and the gates, Sanballat and Geshem sent to me saying, Come and let us meet together at Hecaphurim in the plain of Ono, but they intended to do me harm. What could be wrong with a meeting? Why don't you come and talk? We're going to sit down. We're going to have coffee. We're going to have good coffee. We're going to discuss everything, and we're just going to figure things out. Let's just meet together. What could, be, what could possibly be wrong with that? That's what the world says. Come and meet. Come away. And he actually wanted him to travel. It would be about a day's travel. It would be in disputed area, probably still in Nehemiah's territory, but it was in a, near the edge of it. It was in a place called the Plain of Ono, which I don't know if that's exactly how you pronounce it, but I'm going to pronounce it that way because I love that if there's a meeting you shouldn't go to, the place that it's in is Ono. <laughs> don't you love that? It's just You can just kind of stop right there. Should we come? Oh, no. It's in the Plain of Ono. Shouldn't go there, right? That's, I mean, the name of the place should kind of give you a clue whether you should show up or not, right? Um, it's in the Plain of Ono. The enemy is trying to draw Nehemiah away from his work and go to a place that's going to be far away, that's going to cause him not to be able to oversee and make sure that the wall gets built. So the enemy always wants to do that. He wants to draw you away from this place of work, of being faithful to the work of Jesus Christ. So our mission here, and our, our, what we're trying to get everyone to do is have a Sunday morning roll. We want everyone to have the opportunity to be a part of this body as we help people move from the outside to the inside. We did this on Wednesday night and we talked about having our host team that does all the ushering and the greeting and taking care of coffee and all those things. And we have our tech team, our creative team that does all the worship stuff and all the technical things that have to happen there. We have our children's team that takes care of children. There's a lot that goes on to help people move from the outside to the inside. And the enemy always wants to draw us away from that. But watch what Nehemiah says. The first answer in the war of words is this. My work is too important. 
My work is too important. Nehemiah 6.3 says, And I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? This is what he's saying. Listen, I have the most important role in the world right now. And that is to bring glory to God by building this wall. I'm not going to stop my work and come down and meet with you. Incidentally, I know you want to harm me. Which incidentally is not really that big of a stretch, knowing that they were constantly trying to harm him and his people, right? I'm sure I'm going to go to a meeting with people who I know. Just People always say this, well, I don't want to hurt you, but you have in the past, that's your pattern. Right? Don't put yourself in position to be dragged away from the work of God with someone and some people who constantly want to, are opposed to God's work. He says, I'm, not, I'm doing a great work. This matters. It matters more than anything else. I'm not going to come down to you and be harmed by you and be distracted by you and be delayed by you. What about your work? Is your work that important? What role does this church or does the church in general have in your life? Is it so important that you don't want to get distracted, drawn away, and harmed by somebody? So I would argue that the work of bringing people from the outside to the inside, of making disciples, of helping people miss hell and gain heaven is the most important work you could possibly be involved in. That's the privilege we have as members of the body of Jesus Christ. There's nothing more important. There's no activity. There's no career. There's no even relationship that should keep us from being involved in the work of the church. It's the most important thing on earth because we only have a short time. Our work is too important to be drawn away. So, well, Steve, how do I know? You know, how do I know whether or not something is, is going to be harmful, if it's going to draw me away? How can Listen, if you're not able to participate in making disciples, you shouldn't be doing it. If it's drawing you away from being having a constant and consistent role in helping people know Jesus, you need to evaluate, is that something you need to be doing? Is that an influence you need to have in your life? You say, well, I should, should I never travel? Should I never see family? Should I never go over? Big? No, you should. You should get refreshed in order so that you can come back and make disciples, right? I need to go see family. I need to help make disciples of my family. I need to participate in that. But the goal is, I want to be involved in the work of bringing people from the outside to the inside. And I love his answer. The work is too great for me to go off to some meeting that's going to drag me away from my role and leave the work incomplete. But they don't stop there. Verse 4 says this, And they sent me four times in this way, and I answered them in the same manner. They kept asking me, they kept asking me, they kept asking me, they kept asking me. It sounds like Ferris Bueller's Day Off. If you haven't seen the movie, you should. Um, People do that. They just keep asking over and over again. And the answer is the same as it was the first time. You see, the first answer is my work is important, is too important. The second answer is my work is still too important. Just because you ask again doesn't mean that the answer should change. When You constantly get those invitations to be drawn away from the work of God. Your first answer is good. I don't get distracted because 
following Jesus and helping others follow Jesus is so important. Just because it's asked over and over again doesn't mean that the answer should change. Be confident in that. This is our purpose. This is what we're all about, making Jesus known. But they don't stop there. Enemies don't usually give up. They keep coming. And so they come to Nehemiah a fifth time in verses 5 through 7. In the same way, Sanballat, for the fifth time, sent his servant to me with an open letter in his hand. And it was written, It is reported among the nations, and Geshem, who says it, also says it, that you and the Jews intend to rebel. And that is why you are building the wall. And according to these reports, you wish to become their king. And you've also set up prophets to proclaim concerning you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah, and now the king will hear of these reports. So now come and let us take counsel together. So because they couldn't get him to come one way, they decided, listen, let's send an open letter, which would be like sending a mass email, making a mass uh, post on social media. It would be sending it out to everyone they know, hey, this is what Nehemiah is doing. This letter would be circulated around the area. And they made up a bunch of stuff. It says, reported that you're going to be, that building this wall, it's all about you. You want to look great. You go to church because you want to look awesome and holy and important. And, and you want to lord your holiness over us. That's, that's what you're all about. You want to make yourself king. You want to take over the government. You want to have, you're doing this for political purposes. Listen, the church is the most important ministry and work in the world. We don't use the church to achieve political purposes. We should be active in the election process, but the church and the cause of Christ is what we should be known for above all else, not even anything close. It matters so much that people know Jesus. But I love how Nehemiah answers him. His message coming back to them is so simple in verse 8 through 9. Then I said to them, saying, No such thing as you say have been done, for you are inventing them out of your own mind. For they all wanted to frighten us, thinking their hands will drop from the work and it will not be done. But now, O oh God, strengthen my hands. Just because you say it doesn't make it true. Just because someone says something about you and they think they know that what's behind your, what your motivations are doesn't make it so. I think sometimes we feel like we have to respond to what people are saying as though it's true. It's Pride Month right now. We've seen a lot. A lot of demonstrations, a lot of celebrations. But I want you to know for those who deal with same-sex attraction, those who deal with gender issues, we need to have compassion. This shouldn't make us mad. It should break our hearts. Because people are, are so deceived. And if you're dealing with this in your own life, or you're dealing with this in your family, most people are in their workplace, should be great compassion and respect and love for everyone. This is what Jesus would do. But there should be a sense that I love you and I want you to know Jesus. I want you to be connected to Jesus. The Bible says your sin separates you from God. But Jesus Christ came to bridge that separation. And the only way to connect with Jesus is through repentance. 
I just think it's the meanest thing we could do to tell someone to embrace their sin rather than to embrace repentance. But we need to be loving with people and genuinely want their best. Caring, trying to understand that many have been through such pain and difficulty. We need to understand that Jesus loves the, the worst sinners so much. We also need to understand that everyone in this room has sin in their life. And so what we're going to do right now is I want everyone to stand. No, I don't really want you to. Someday we're going to do that, I think. You know, we're just all going to stand. This is my sin. You know, this is what I'm going to claim anyway. Everyone has sin, and Jesus Christ died for me. He had to die for me. He had to die for you. We need to be loving, open, honest, and not let lies stand and go forward. Not believe the lies that somehow the Bible is mean to certain people because it doesn't like them. The Bible speaks of restoring us who have wandered away, who have sinned, and all, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Amen. I love Nehemiah's answer. Just because you say it doesn't make it so, and we're not going to be frightened by that. You don't get to characterize us by telling lies about us. You've invented this in your own head. I love you. You've fabricated this. He doesn't let the words stop him from the important work of building the wall. But they don't stop there. Always be careful of super spiritual people. Um, I love verse 10 because it talks about how they send a super spiritual person who's supposed to be a prophet. Look at verse 10. It says, Now, when I went to the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah, son of Mehedabel, and who was confined to his home, he said, Let us meet together in the house of God within the temple. Let us close the doors of the temple, for they're coming to kill you. They're coming to kill you by night. In other words, Nehemiah, you need to be afraid. You need to stop your work and go hide in the temple. They, they may not get you there. They're coming to kill you. You need to be afraid, Nehemiah. This was some kind of a prophet. He was hired by the enemy. Shut up in his home. We don't know why. Maybe he was doing some kind of a vow to separate himself from other people. But he was supposed to be some kind of prophet. And he got Nehemiah to talk to him. But look at what Nehemiah says in verse 11. I love this. But I said, should such a man as I run away? And what man such as I could go into the temple and live? I will not go in. And I understood and saw that God had not sent him, but he had pronounced this prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. For this purpose he was hired, that I should be afraid and act in this way in sin, and so they could give me a bad name in order to taunt me. See, God's people don't need to run away. God's people have been under attack the whole time they're building, they're building this wall. And Nehemiah has been their leader. He could have been killed at any time. Nehemiah is resting in the protection of the God of the universe. I love his statement. Shouldn't a man like me run away? Do I think God just protected me for a while and now because the enemy has this plot to kill me that, that I should run away? I'm not going to do that. Should I go into the temple and break God's law? Because in the temple, where he was talking, not the outer courts, but in the temple, only priests could go. So in other words, should I just go hide because I'm afraid? You know, I think sometimes we as followers of Jesus, we, 
We only let it be known that we're a follower of Jesus when we step on this property. And sometimes it's hard for us and we're afraid of what might happen if people know. He's a church person. He's a Jesus guy. He's a Christian. And I think we get afraid of that and we go and hide in the church. The church should be a sanctuary. It should be a safe place. But really the church is kind of just, just, the, just the clubhouse for us to prepare to go out, right? Nehemiah is building the walls, the place where the city will interact with the rest of the world. And he said, I'm not going to quit work and go hide because I'm afraid of what might happen to me. Let me ask you, what, what would happen and what would you do for Jesus if you had no fear? What would you do? What would you do? But there is a way to win. There is a way to win. I love Nehemiah 6, 15 and 16. It says this, So the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month of Elul in 52 days. And when our enemies heard of it, all the nation around us were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem. For they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. Because they kept working, because they didn't let the words of the enemy get them distracted, they didn't believe the lies of the enemy because Nehemiah wasn't afraid, the work got completed. And God was glorified. The nations around them were afraid. And they, I love it how it says it. They, were, they fell greatly in their own esteem. They didn't think quite so much of themselves, right? Because God actually did this amazing thing in 52 days. You see, we win when we stay at the task. We don't get distracted. We don't believe the lies. We don't get afraid. And we keep at it. We keep helping disciples be made. We keep helping people come from the outside to the inside. We keep representing Jesus Christ well. So where are you today? Where is your heart today? Are there some things that are stopping you? Are the words of the enemy, the words of the opposition, are they a problem for you right now? Are there some things that you need to set aside? Some invitations you need to say no to. Maybe there's some lies that you need to stop believing. Some characterizations people have made of you that aren't true. Or maybe there's fear in your life. What could you do for Jesus if there was no fear? You might be saying, well, Steve, I get this and I understand this, but I don't know if I've ever really received Jesus Christ in my life. This is the most important moment in your life right now. There's never a more important moment than right now where you will answer yes to Jesus or no. And know this, that every time you say no, it's, very, it's less likely you will ever say yes. So well, maybe tomorrow... Maybe tomorrow I'll become one of these people who want to who get to heaven, who are concerned about that. I think I should get there because I'm good, but I, I really realize that it's going to be required that I repent and follow Jesus. Don't let this day go by. You say, well, Steve, you know, I, I've, I come to church and I can't possibly accept Jesus now because I've been pretending like it all this time. Don't let that stop you. Don't let that stop you. Jesus Christ has died to bridge the gap that your sin has created. 
all it takes is a repentant prayer. Jesus, I, I repent of my sin. I want you to save me. I want you to live through me. Make that decision today. We're going to spend some time in prayer to process and ask God, God, where am I missing it? Where am I losing the war of words? Would you bow with me? Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to our website at fbcdelray.com. Also, click the share button so you can share this message with a friend or someone in need as we seek to know Jesus, to know others, and to make him known. We cry out, we cry out.